Good evening. Uh, wow. Welcome to... Uh, <laughs> did that make air? This is bad, okay? Because there are times where we go to start this program and there's some kind of technical issue. This week, went to start the program and I caused the technical issue. Usually... How'd you do that, Brian? Um, well, <laughs> when you go to hit record, um, when you're already recording and you... <laughs> Never mind. It was a complete rookie mistake, but anyway. Well, we're off to a good start. <laughs> Hi, uh, joined by Ed Barnes. I'm Brian Wilmer, and uh, yeah, I'm I'm smart enough to where I can press a record button, dude. What did we say? State <laughs> schools. That's what we always like to mention about ourselves. Don't expect too much. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> from a free program. <laughs> Once again, this is Did That Make Air? At Did That Make Air on Twitter, uh, dtmapodcast at gmail.com dtmapodcast at gmail.com the email address and uh, tonight's a little bit different program as you might imagine if you're on the live side you're going to get two shows so enjoy that but normally we like to start with a little bit of a serious big question we like to kind of ponder things and you know go over kind of life's philosophy Uh, yeah not so much this week Uh, we've got a bunch to cover but we'll start with the big question because I want to get into this I'm pretty fired up about it I know you are too so tonight's big question why do we have to start celebrating all of the end-of-the-year holidays like Halloween and Thanksgiving and Christmas and stuff? Why do we have to start celebrating those when it's still 75 degrees outside? At what point is it okay to start celebrating Christmas and Thanksgiving and all this other stuff? I mean, I I know you've got some thoughts on this, so I'll let you get us started. Uh, I remember a story you told me about going to Costco one time and seeing the early unveiling of the holidays. First of all, the idea of... Kirkland doing a mass-produced nativity scene is one that still kind of amuses me. I mean, come on. Is that kind of funny? Isn't that just a little funny? You know, it's Kirkland nativity. Like I, like I said, celebrating the birth of Jesus at wholesale prices. Yeah, exactly. And that was uh, in stores available in early September. I remember keeping that picture on my phone for a long time just because I wanted the timestamp on it to remind myself that it was, oh, it was September 6th or whatever that I went to Costco and saw nativity scenes available. Um you know, I, I feel like commerce is behind this so much, like, like so many things are. Um, why are we spending so much time talking about autumn? Not even a real holiday. We're, we're celebrating a time of year now, Brian, uh, if you haven't noticed that already. And it's all being driven by the people that make pumpkin, cinnamon spice, and nutmeg. I think that's pretty much what it's going on. You know, it's like uh, Valentine's Day, or I'm sorry, uh, Easter is driven by the chocolate companies. Well, there you go. There's your answer on what's going on with fall. We don't even need a holiday. We don't even need a holiday anymore to wonder, why are we celebrating this? I have an idea. From now on, instead of having seasons, let's just call things by whatever the food item is that happens to randomly show up during that period. Like, for instance, you know, for fall or whatever, we can just call it Starbucks pumpkin spice latte. Uh, for, (laughs) For spring, we can call it shamrock shake. I mean, seriously, all these different food items and stuff that people just pimp the hell out of during various times of the year. Let's just start calling the seasons those things. You know what? I don't have enough money saved up for the down payment on this car right now, but by mid-pumpkin, I might be able to be able to make that purchase. (laughs) Or I might be able to repeat myself in the middle of that sentence. That was kind of strange. Uh, It was like I had feedback in my actual speaking voice. Um, But I think I'm going with it, Brian. I'm totally going with it. You know, I don't know. I, I guess like turkey never goes out of style per se, but you know what I mean? When you get to the the, the, the main holiday season, if you get to about December 10th, is that mid turkey? <laughs> yeah. I, 
I'll allow that uh, mid stuffing, but then again, that sounds like something completely worse. Uh, mm. Hmm, mid cranberry maybe. Oh, nice. Okay. Because see, that's a color and a food item. Right. <laughs> there are no more seasons anymore. We're just calling them by our one corporately sponsored item that has come to take up this time of year. For fall, it is pumpkin spice latte brought to you by Starbucks. <laughs> oh, that reminds me. Speaking of which, I, I flipped past a channel the other night and I saw a commercial for Sherwin-Williams paint. I, I don't know why in the hell this stuck with me. But they were actually teaching people about how to paint your house for the upcoming fall season. So I guess ostensibly you would paint your house for fall and then paint it again for spring. Now, I know that some people are really big-time do-it-yourselfers and they like to you know, have these showroom-quality houses and everything, but I'll be damned if I would paint my house once for the fall and then paint it again for the spring so that I could have the latest you know, fall colors or spring colors or whatever else. What kind of an idiot does that? One that can afford to the point where it's not them that's doing the painting. Uh, yeah, probably. That's that's fair. Yeah, that's, my, that's my easy answer <laughs> on that one. I don't think the person is really going into Home Depot and saying something like, hey, the missus and I are going to knock this out over the next day or two here now that we're uh, at the start of pumpkin. So when we get to <laughs> mid-honeydew melon out in April, uh, we want to be able to change it to more of a spring-summery type color. So what do you think would be a nice combination that would fit with all of our current furniture? <laughs> You start having these little, you know, holiday parties or whatever. It's like, yeah, I got a paint guy. I got him on retainer. You want me to give you his card? <laughs> hey, man, you never know. I mean, they've got – I've heard plenty of stories about services that put up Christmas lights making good money. Well, of course. And, you know, something else, too, about Christmas lights. Uh, our buddy Matt Phillips from uh, long ago – assignments long ago, which you and I Way both back remember. When. Yeah. Uh, he actually has a site devoted to ugly uh, Christmas stuff. So uh, that's that's the whole other thing where you can have like bad light displays and bad Christmas sweaters and all that stuff. So you can make money off that, too. But, you know, I was I was thinking because I'm not really a big house hunters aficionado, but there's the house hunters uh, TV show on HGTV where people go around and, and you know, bitch about the, the houses that they have available and eventually just settle for something. <laughs> you you kind of wonder if somebody goes into a house and they're looking around, they're already pissed because there's no granite countertops and stainless steel and everything else. Where's the backsplash? Yeah, exactly. They don't have the uh, you know the tile backsplash and all that kind of stuff. What happens when they look on the wall and they see a spring color in fall? They don't they don't see the proper pumpkin spice tones. They see more of a uh, a shamrock shake tone or more of a uh, you know a, a sonic peanut butter shake tone on the wall. You know what happens then? Is that what spring is going to be? The McDonald Shamrock Shake? Yeah, that's. I'll go with it, and and I know I know that uh, actually one of our regular listeners to the program, um, <laughs> Rachel, she's she's a big Shamrock Shake person. I keep picturing this happening on the news, where it's like, oh, don't forget, folks! Officially, the last day here of pumpkin spice season. Coming up, you know, it's going to be the something, something, you know, it's going to be the uh, the Foster Farms uh, turkey solstice coming up tonight. <laughs> yeah, they had the last day of pumpkin spice latte at Starbucks, and you see Range Rovers lined up for miles. <laughs> what are we going to do? I mean, it's it's it is pretty amazing. I mean, I you know, but the the, the thing, Brian, that that we're talking about, and all these things that we're talking about regarding the holidays, really are materialistic approaches to the holidays when of course the real 
thing behind the holidays, I mean, the crux of it is family, be it traditional or non-traditional, but the people that you feel close to, the people that you love in your life. And that's a great thing, and that's something that's really worth celebrating. Um, and we usually do that when we get to the day or around the time of the actual holiday. Why you would be putting stuff out now, uh, I, I don't really understand. I know people really like to decorate. I'm not one of those people. <laughs> no. I'm not. I am not one of those people. So it really makes even less sense to me because it just seems like a great way that you can not spend money to not take part in a lot of this stuff. Well, what's hilarious to me is you can go down my street right now. I, I live on a fairly small street. You can go down my street and see decorations for Halloween, Thanksgiving, and Christmas already out. now. The Triple Crown. Yeah, Halloween I kind of get, I guess, although I, I still – Halloween is just a dumbass holiday to me. It's, it started being stupid right about the time I turned 12. Um, so, you know, ever since then, I don't really celebrate it. It's silly, you know – the, the big celebration for Halloween in this area is if you go up to Franklin Street in Chapel Hill and you see, you know, 20,000 uh, UNC and NC State, at least, co-eds uh, going hammer time up there. That's that's the place to be for, for Halloween. But, you know, once once you pass 12 or once you're not a uh, blackout drinker, there's not really a whole lot of uh, reason behind Halloween. The one thing I did see today, though, that really kind of freaked me out, somebody posted on Facebook and I should have immediately gone into a rage, but I didn't. They posted only 14 days until we start the 24-7 Christmas music. 14 days from now, which is just into November, and we're starting 24-7 Christmas music. Now, I'm, I'm fine with this usually for about the first week, but then once you hear... You know, 400 versions of Jingle Bell Rock by 400 different artists, or you hear Celine Dion's version of What Child Is This for the 400th time in a week. Usually about that point, you want to forget about Christmas again until, oh, right about probably the time you wake up on Christmas Day. It's – I was also going to add – I did want to add this before I forgot that I stopped being interested in Halloween when I stopped being single. That also had an effect. <laughs> well, Fair take? Uh, yeah, because, you know, Fair there's take. there's not enough people on Halloween, uh, you know, making bad decisions, and, and you can't really make bad decisions if you're, nope. if you're in that make realm. Make better decisions now, uh, <laughs> and that's a good thing, actually. Uh, but keep we, we keep coming back to this idea that there are all these annoying things about the holidays, be it the overplaying of music or the over-commercialization of the holidays, taking away from what is really important about them. And that's, you know, we've heard that before. From, uh, you know, in movies or all kinds of things. I mean, God, even the joke in Almost Famous about how we se celebrate Christmas in February so that way it's not commercialized or whatever. It was something like that. And look, I get it, but <laughs> I mean, is it tough to is it tough for you to really take the holidays seriously anymore in terms of what they're really about? Uh, yeah, because at this point, it's all about the cards and the music and the travel and everything else. And forget everything else that normally comes along with it. Now, what should happen is holidays should be a time where you reconnect with people and, you know, you get a chance to actually kind of unwind a little bit and spend time with, with those who mean something to you. Instead, it's a time for you to uh, gripe at fellow travelers, uh, to go out and wait in lines at, at sales at, you know, 8 o'clock at night on Thanksgiving night, which mm. a lot of people are pissed about again. Uh, you know, it's we've we've completely gotten sideways, and I, I want to talk about the whole shopping thing for a bit because you have Macy's and J.C. Penney that are opening at 8 p.m. on Thanksgiving this year, 
I, I won't be there, but people are, are already up in arms about this. I will say, though, one of the... I can just watch it on the news. Well, yeah, exactly, because they'll, they'll have, <laughs> you know, 500 reporters up there. It's like a... Uh, Here's hey, live shot. <laughs> hey, Bob, I'm standing outside Macy's. It's 14 degrees outside, but people are waiting for these hot deals. <laughs> I just really want to get a flat screen, Bob. <laughs> I'm going to be out here for as long as it takes, but I'm getting one of those flat screens. <laughs> I'm going to save $20 off that TV and when it's marked up 40 But right. uh, the, the one thing I actually did on a holiday that probably warmed my heart more than most, uh, on Black Friday a few years ago, this was, I forget where this was actually, but I, I went on Black Friday, at or sorry, we need to be politically correct on this program, Pigmentally Challenged Friday. Thank uh, you. I went out at 2.40 in the morning, because I couldn't sleep anyway, why not, and went and sat in the Best Buy parking lot. And I wasn't going to buy anything, wasn't going to wait in line, any of that stuff. But I went out there and sat there with like something from Dunkin' Donuts and uh, some kind of warm beverage or something. And I see these poor, miserable bastards up there shivering and shaking to death. There are people like wrapped in blankets and everything. And I just sat there in the car where it was warm, ate my donut, and just kind of waved at them. It's holiday spirit. Oh, man. I, look, I do appreciate the idea of hustling trying to save a dollar. I do. Sure. I think that's a noble thing to pursue. Frugality is great. At the same time, if it's going to involve sitting in inclement weather for it, <laughs> I don't think that's going to be an acceptable thing for me to do. <laughs> Yeah. That may be where the line gets officially drawn for me. And that's not just because I'm a lifelong Californian. That's just because I don't think anyone should be sitting there through inclement weather. Yeah, see, that's the thing for me. I mean, coming from Virginia, where I'm originally from, for those of you who uh, listen to the program who aren't aware, and you should be, a lot of times, right around you know Thanksgiving when they had the Black Friday and stuff, it is somewhere between the teens and the 20s. And I know this from being up there last year and going to the UVA Virginia Tech game right around Thanksgiving and standing outside. It was 11 degrees at kick, uh, wind blowing like 25 miles an hour. Uh, yeah, I'm not going outside in the middle of that. It's just, it's not happening. No. Well, and why should you? I had to for the game, but I mean, aside from that. Yeah. Yeah. But, I, you know, don't you, I mean, I. I think of the innocence that I had, at least when I was growing up, uh, thinking about the holidays, and you know, it was something you got legitimately excited for. I mean, we all have stories about waking up on Christmas and, you know, <laughs> trying to make just enough noise to wake up our parents without them thinking we were trying to wake them up. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Like oh, yeah. Six thirty in the morning, Christmas morning, and like, all right, what can I do to get Dad up right now without him thinking I was trying to get him up? <laughs> yep, I remember that well. <laughs> and I know that sometimes it worked better than others, but the point is. Uh, you know, we all had those more memories about Christmas where it was a special day and we enjoyed seeing family and you got to see your aunt and uncle or your grandparents or, you know, whatever it might be, whatever, you know, relatives you might be able to see. And, and it was such a, a great thing. And somehow the holidays, as you get a little older, grow from something you look forward to to something you're dreading. And that's really sad. Yeah, it is. And see, I think that part of it is because we're so fatigued by all this stuff with, you know, all the Christmas songs coming on early and all the ads starting early and all that stuff. I mean, that's part of it. But I think another part of it is something we talked about on a couple of previous shows. We we just we don't have that same sense of fellowship and connection and everything else that we used to have because, you know, we're busy with our own lives and we're busy with our technology and everything else. And even when we go home, 
uh, or, you know, spend time with family or whatever else, half of it were buried in a laptop or buried in a phone or something like that. You know, that's, that's part of the problem. So uh, just to, you know, to bring it back to what we've talked about before, we kind of do it to ourselves because of all the other outside distractions. Oh, and it's so great to see everyone here at this Thanksgiving and, you know, Grandpa, it's great for you to come out, and I'd just like to say thank you to my iPhone 5 for <laughs> everything it does for me every day. You really are a great companion. <sighs> anyway, let's eat. No, that, that's a, isn't that a sad thought, man? And it's something, <laughs> someone probably is, has done it, which is what makes it even worse. But uh, the competition that I, I feel exists between some people, you mentioned street decorations, right. and that's become a whole other issue, and that that has absolutely nothing to do with anything when it comes to – the familial aspect of the holidays, but people get so caught up in these things, these, uh, wow. Third try on the holiday Christmas decorations. <laughs> and I remember going to this, this neighborhood in San Carlos, California, just South of San Francisco. And I went there with my aunt and uncle, uh, and two cousins as it was, it's something that, you know, everyone in that neighborhood is known for the way that they decorate their homes. And first of all, you can imagine being part of that HOA if there is one, or if there's not just being part of that block and not wanting to participate. And probably finding out very quickly that that's not an option. Yeah, there but are – go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say you're just in for however many hundreds of dollars in decorations it is before they're going to leave you alone. Yeah, there are HOAs, and luckily I don't live in one, but there are HOAs that, that are out there that say you have to have this amount of lights on your house, and you have to put, to put them up on this day. They have to be down on this day. And I, if I read that in an HOA contract, I'd be like, look, you know, screw you people. Seriously, that's, this is nuts. But there, there are HOAs out there. I've seen the contract where, you know, they, they decree that you have to have these lights up on December 3rd. And, you know, they have to be a certain number and they have to be a certain color and they can't, you know, outclass your neighbor or whatever. It's, it's ridiculous. Well, it's all once you're able to get your 17 pieces of Christmas flair up on your house <laughs> and you manage to move forward into the holiday season and think you're clear of everything. Now you've also invited everyone else from around your neighborhood, if you live on this street in San Carlos that I'm speaking of, to parade by your house to the point where if you want anyone to come by, they're going to need to give an extra 15 minutes to creep along the street at four miles an hour in order to get to your driveway. Now, it was it's amazing. Every time I've been down there, it seems like it's like that for the last two weeks before Christmas as I've been down there a couple different times i also remember another guy putting up a sign on his house and he had just an absurd amount of decoration all over his house tons of lights he looked like for whatever night this was as it was the the big night for this neighborhood he had got actual snow shipped into the bay area because we don't have that there <laughs> I mean, it was unbelievable but he had a sign on the front of his house that says um and because at the time, you know, energy conservation, especially in the San Francisco Bay Area, is such a big thing. He had a sign talking about, don't worry, I pay my own SDG&E bill. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, just because you're paying it doesn't mean that you're not jacking all the power from everyone else who might need it. <laughs> Come on, man. Like, Don't you see how this is just irresponsible? Just because you have the money doesn't need, mean you need to spend it that way. But I guess like, you come back to America could do what I want. You know it. You uh it's funny you said the 17 pieces of Christmas flair my my uh my mind immediately went to 30 pieces of silver and then I wanted to scream out tramps like us and and didn't. <laughs> wow, that's a quite a leap across pop culture. <laughs> yes, yes it is. Now <laughs> you were talking about these uh decorations and stuff. There's actually a town that is northwest of here. I have to to reset my geography, but it's northwest of here. It's uh McAdenville, North Carolina. It's uh just to the southwest of Charlotte. And they actually have 
if you're driving on Interstate 85 through there, they actually have signs up on the interstate saying McCaddenville Christmas lights, this this or that exit. And they have policemen directing traffic. Uh, The exit is backed up from McCaddenville all the way into Charlotte, which is about probably six, seven miles. Uh, It's about probably, I don't know, 10, 12 miles from the airport in Charlotte. And people back up from that ramp all the way down 85. If you're wanting to get through McCaddenville and get to, you know, point south on 85, you have to get in one of the far outside lanes. It's ridiculous. And I mean, I, I love going to see Christmas lights. It's a cool thing to do. But I, there's no way in the world. See, I have to balance my love of Christmas lights with my complete lack of patience and my inability to wait in line for anything. And I'm not willing to sit in my car for, you know, 45 minutes, an hour to barely move just so I can go see a few lights. That's nuts. Sort of like the enjoyment of fireworks versus your wanting to oh, leave a baseball game early. Oh, oh yes. Oh, tell me about it. And and see, the thing here that was funny, when uh, when the Charlotte Knights were still playing in South Carolina, they've they've got a brand new ballpark, and I'm bitter about that. But anyway, when they were still playing in South Carolina, they would draw like 3,000 fans a game. I mean, nobody ever came out here. But then when they had fireworks night, they would draw like 16,000 people. There are people sitting off the side streets and all this other stuff. And I'm just like, yeah, I'm not going anywhere near that place. And I, I found a place where you could sit in a car dealership lot and watch the fireworks and still get out in time because nobody else had figured out you could do that. Everybody else was over on the, on the other side of the interstate where the ballpark was, but yeah, fireworks nights are always (laughs) what? (laughs) Okay. Okay. Well, if you've ever, you've been on like the jungle cruise at Disney world or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Remember how they go on the other side? You, they, you go under the waterfall, and they always make the same tired joke about that's the backside of water. <laughs> yeah. So no one figured out you could watch the fire, the backside of the fireworks. Apparently not. They were all sitting on the same side of the road as the ballpark because oh, the way in, Interstate seventy seven fireworks is, look different. Yeah, Interstate seventy seven. They've they've got the ballpark or what was the ballpark or soon will be the former ballpark on one side of the interstate, and then the other side of the interstate. There's like two car dealerships right there. There's a Ford place and a you know, Fiat place or something like that, because Fiat's are a great fit in South Carolina. Oh, and, yeah. uh, you know, they, you can see the fireworks coming up over the trees from over there. And it's like, well, why don't you just drive over there? Oh, we don't get a clear shot at it. We want to watch the blow up. <laughs> <laughs> now, we, well, we've got Jerry and Ryan in the chat room. I mean, Jerry mentioned that rednecks love fireworks. Everyone loves fireworks. Jerry, like, do you have a theory? I'm, I'm curious. Like, I, I, I don't understand. I mean, it's it's stuff that's blowing up and lighting up the sky. I get that. That's, that's fascinating and everything. But for, you know, the Padres to get 17,000 on a Tuesday night game, except for a Friday night fireworks game, they're getting 50,000. I mean, <laughs> at Qualcomm, it would seat 60-something thousand fans or however many they'd allow it to seat for a, a given baseball game. And the first game outside of opening day that would sell out every year, was the Sky Show, which was sponsored by a local classic rock station, where they would do an elaborate fireworks show that was set to classic rock. Yeah, same thing in and Cincinnati. It's unbelievable, though. It's it, is that I guess that's as cool a, a thing to get people. I mean, I, I've been to games in Pittsburgh where you know Steve Miller Band was playing after the show or after the game. That sounds a little bit more entertaining than fireworks to me. <laughs> But, you know, it doesn't draw – I don't I don't know if they draw as well. Well, see, the problem is, though, most of the people who would want to see Steve Miller Band or Cheap Trick or whatever in Pittsburgh are probably going to go catch them at a casino instead of a ballpark because that's, that's more their native mm-hmm. habitat. That's true. I mean, Leonard Skinner did play there a couple years ago. I can only imagine what that was like. I saw him at a casino. <laughs> did. 
It's like, hey, baby, we're going to go in here and put everything on, on 31. When we win, we're going to get the front row seat. Screw this balcony stuff. I, I do, I, you know, I, I give Leonard Skinner credit. They're still up there trying. They really are. Oh, yeah. I mean, there, there's a lot of effort going on in those shows. Um, but uh, Johnny Van Zant wearing skinny jeans. Uh, no. The really <laughs> weird thing. He's got a shirt that's, you know, plenty of, he's got plenty of room in the shirt that he's got up top, and then he's got some skinny jeans working, and it was like, whoa. Um,. <laughs> Can I still call you a redneck if you wear skinny jeans? <laughs> is that a can I, is there a ruling we can get from anyone in the chat room? Well, Jerry so, tells me that that South Carolina and Tennessee have a fireworks stand every hundred feet. They do. Uh, I, I am guessing that those states are not quite as litigious as California. Uh, no. I mean, it's you're not having fun down here unless you lose a finger. But uh, the the mm. one the one thing I will tell you, if you look. I, I live right near uh, Carowinds Amusement Park, right off of the interstate and stuff. And if you look right there off of that exit, you have Carowinds Amusement Park. Then you have a fireworks stand. It's like Davy Jones Locker or something like that fireworks stand. Ooh. Then you have a big-ass liquor store right behind it. So you can go ride rides, buy stuff to blow up, and get hammered all in the same evening. That sounds incredible. If they only had a liquor store that sold fireworks and had a roller coaster that ran through it, then it would be like the <laughs> ultimate place. Can we actually can we start opening that right now? Get some permits drawn up, maybe start that process. <laughs> we can have the guy from the John Denver Experience be the voice of the roller coaster. That would be fantastic. I would have that pre-recorded if I could get the guys from South Park to pre-record me a John Denver Experience style uh, disclaimer. I would. I would do whatever I needed to do for that. I think that probably would make the play successful by itself. Well, actually, I just thought of another thing, too. We could have Leonard Skinner actually playing the music for the roller coaster. That's true. So, that is true. You know, you, you could have, like, uh, you know, you get to the top of the roller coaster and Sweet Home Alabama starts up, you know, and you start seeing the lighters come up, and then you go down the hill and the lighters go out and everybody vomits, you know, forward and all that stuff, and then you start going back up the hill and <laughs> boot and rally. <laughs> <laughs> you imagine that you hired Leonard Skinner to play the same medley of songs <laughs> during the roller coaster every time? Make sure you hit the song change when they get to the top of the loop. Loop. <laughs> Why couldn't they have taken us on a plane crash instead of having to do this? Yeah, oh, wait they, a minute. That, that, that was that's probably up. a little much. <laughs> that was amazing. Um, wow, that really happened. I, I apologize. So, <laughs> but uh, you know, I don't know, man. This holiday thing—it's it, just such a weird. Uh, it, we almost can all agree that we don't enjoy it in a lot of ways, too. Very true. And that's, and that's the weird thing. We can all usually at the end of the season, you know, it was a lot of fun when we got to go to this holiday party or, you know, I hadn't seen my Uncle Jack in a while and it was great to see him and, you know, my cousins are doing well and, you know, this, that. And you can look back and say those kind of things and, that, and that's all great. But you probably can point to several different things where, remember when we were running for that plane thanks to the long security line? Or do you remember when I went over to so-and-so's house and then their kid got sick on me or something like that? Or you know what I'm talking about? Oh. Remember when we sat in traffic going 90, you know, going the 90-hour drive to Texas or something to visit family? Yeah, that's, that's the other thing too because, you know, you think about it and normally you would walk in, you know, into the door and you'd see your family members. And the first thing you'd think of is, 
you know, hey, it's everybody. I'm going to go give everybody a hug, shake hands, all that stuff. And instead, you know, you, you have a family member show up to pick you up at the airport. And the first thing that you want to do once you get in the car is, you know, bitch about how terrible your trip was for 15 minutes. So right. it, it kind of takes the whole shine off of seeing family members anymore. It's like, you know, hey, good to see you. Uh, why don't you listen to my story about how, ter- how terrible my travel was? Right. Well, I was going to say in a lot of cases, you're getting into a car with three kids. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Picked me up from the airport. Well, I brought the kids with me. Cool. Great. Awesome. Hope they <laughs> behave better than the one that was kicking the back of my seat for the last four hours. But that's, you know, you don't need to hear about that. Great. Thanks for picking me up, though. <laughs> <laughs> there was one time I was flying home. This I don't even remember when this was. This was, God, years ago. And I remember I was supposed to get in at, like, you know, 9.30 or something on Christmas Eve. And because of flight delays, I got in at, like, 2.15 in the morning on Christmas Day. And uh, <laughs> the... the uh, the the pilot came over the thing and he's just like, I just want to apologize to everybody for the flight delays, but we hope you enjoy your flight. Ho ho home and everybody in the in the uh, cock or in not in the cockpit, jeez. Everybody in the cabin just audibly groaned. They're just like, Really? We're five hours late and all of a sudden you wanna be, you know, next the last comet in st- comic standing seriously? You better hope he's the last pilot standing because the people are getting <laughs> off the plane. <laughs> That seems just like poor form by him uh, in any number of ways. But, I mean, you know, people have talked about the the annoyances of air travel, and you can find those all year round. But add that to the holidays where the security lines are twice as long and the, you know, TSA agents are somehow half as friendly as they normally are, which is not friendly at all. Isn't that weird? (laughs) Their attitude gets even worse. That's because they're working and they can't go home to their family. Oh, you know, but there's all all these things going on that we all seem to hate about it. So why why are we so anxious to do it? Like, oh, well, I'm going home for the holidays, just like I do every year. But all I ever hear is about how he hate going home for the holidays. What? <laughs> I don't I don't understand your strategy. Seems like a bad one. Well, don't you remember how this went last year? Don't you? Haven't you heard about repeating history? I I still laugh every time I try to go home for Thanksgiving or Christmas or whatever else because you know. Going north of Charlotte is pretty much not going to happen because there's a way, really, only one way from, like, Atlanta and points south and stuff up to Raleigh and Richmond and, you know, points north, and it's through Charlotte. So everybody is going north, and you're not, pretty much. So I've had to start, like, taking back roads just to get out of my own town, like... There were times – I remember one time I left my house, and I, I live you know, just a couple of miles south of, of Charlotte into South Carolina. I left my house, and it took me two hours and 37 minutes, I think, to clear Charlotte. Fine. Which, yeah, I mean that should be like a, I don't know, 15, 20-minute trip. I thought you were going to say the only way north was like on a raft with your main man Tom. <laughs> <laughs> Day 23, my crew and I tried to ford a river. We yep. only made it halfway before half of them Jerry's died got of dysentery. again. Yeah. <laughs> what are we going to do with Jerry? He's got the typhoid fever. <laughs> so we left him to die as we surged forward. Yeah, but I'm going to go shoot some uh, some squirrels and maybe a buffalo, but I can only carry 50 pounds of meat. <laughs> There was uh, there was one other thing we were going to talk about, and, and it's not really totally related. But you were talking oh. about we were talking about Christmas music, and and you were talking before about going to see Jack Johnson. And uh, you're a big concert person. I'm not, which is funny considering you know all the time I've worked in radio. But 
you had some experiences going to see Jack Johnson, and I think you wanted to expand on those a little too. Yeah, I, t- I took my girlfriend to see Jack Johnson on Friday. It's uh, you know, it's one of her favorite artists. I enjoy his music too. You know, for what it is, I'm not, you know, it's not, it's not like oh, this is creative or groundbreaking. But you know, he does what he does, and, and I enjoy it. So what can I say? I know you're going to give me a hard time about it later, so we can look forward to that once I stop talking. But. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we, we we walk into the theater and it's a very weird mix of people. It was a smaller venue. It was all seats. Um, so the ticket prices were a little higher and it was something where you got an interesting cross section of people, especially in San Diego, because even formal is not necessarily formal here. The people that were dressed up, you know, are wearing the jeans with blazers kind of look. Uh, and a lot of those were, were gentlemen, especially in their mid to later 50s, who um, really did a great job of dancing very awkwardly up and down the aisles. It was amazing. <laughs> the people who I saw dance the hardest were these guys who seemed like they were trying to show how young and hip they were to their dates. <laughs> uh, and it didn't it didn't go so well, um, like at all. But there were some interesting things about the Jack Johnson concert uh, that made it uh, <laughs> that, that kind of stood out to me. One, he he in trying to uh, reduce waste, he put. Uh, water bottle refill station so you'd be allowed to bring your own water bottle into the concert so you could go refill it and limit waste isn't that nice uh yeah (laughs) it was just more of no one knew about it it just seemed like everyone who was in line for a cocktail just where i was was going like oh man i guess we can get free water it's like guess what i brought in a zima in a water bottle the joke's on him Oh my gosh, Lindsay Lohan <laughs> came to the concert? I even, oh, hey! Hey! She's out of rehab again. Um, but, you know, so that's, that's one thing about the concert. But the other thing <laughs> that was just really strange was uh, the three guys who were sitting next to us because they all seemed like they were not that – they all looked like they hadn't really graduated from the mentality of people who had been in a fraternity. Um, and they were all at a Jack Johnson concert just like, you know – double fist and beers the whole time and it was just like how did you end up here <laughs> the hoobastank concert is probably at another venue maybe you should try that venue i don't know if the, the dave matthews concert is not here this evening boys i'm gonna guess the hoobastank show is out back of the taco bell acoustic during their 15 minute uh, shift break Come on, man. They've got to be making the casino circuit at least. Just to, You know, some old woman probably gets really fired up when they bring her up on stage to sing the reason to her. I think that's the help they bring up there. Oh, is that what they're calling it? Okay. Well, that's good to know. Yeah, about the, uh, about the thing you mentioned at the show, there's, there's nothing quite as, as depressing as 50-year-old bros. It, well, yeah, you know, these guys who were sitting next to us were a little younger. Uh, they looked like maybe late 20s, early 30s, but still it was it was just a very weird vibe you got from these people. They seemed like they wanted to, you know, rage a little bit more. And, you know, Jack Johnson singing, um, you know, his mellow stuff. <laughs> it just didn't quite fit. Yeah, was, Although, uh, I, don't, I don't know, I'm, gonna, you know, I'm actually probably going to offend you while doing it, but uh, one of the songs that was included on the set list um, and he put on a good show. He played for you know a couple or you know he played for hour forty five, and he felt like he got your money's worth at least. But I was very surprised when he jumped into a cover of Crosstown Traffic. Yeah, that's that's gonna. Was, me. That was a little <laughs> weird. That was a little. That was just like wait, wait he, huh? <laughs> yeah, I was I was gonna say though, talking about about uh, Jack Johnson and the bros sitting next to you, uh, that seems a little. Uh, 
not drinky and rapey enough for that crowd? Maybe I'm wrong. I I couldn't really quite put my finger on the vibe I was getting from these people, but they didn't seem like they were having a lot of fun. Uh, and the tickets were expensive enough that you'd think you'd want to make them count. So I don't know. I, I don't know. People at concerts are just so weird, man. People at concerts are very weird. Um, you know, and uh, hey, enjoy yourself, enjoy the music and all of that. But it is funny to see that one person who's up dancing about a, five songs before the rest of the crowd is, you know, intoxicated enough to do so. Or <laughs> um, something like that. Or the one guy, I mean, that was the other thing, too, is Jack Johnson said, I'll be taking requests all night, so let me know what you want to hear. So that just meant the guy behind me was screaming banana pancakes between, like, six <laughs> different songs. <laughs> It's very, it's, very, it's very lounge lizard of him. Hey, I'll be taking requests all night and anything you want to hear. Come on, slide it on up here. It was, it, so the guy kept the guy kept screaming it. And finally, he's like, look, I'm going to play it later. OK, can you stop screaming banana pancakes? <laughs> you know, the way you describe that, it's like, yeah, I'll be taking requests all night. Shouldn't he be playing in a piano bar somewhere? <laughs> right. That'd be more appropriate. All right. We're going to do Garth Brooks, Friends in Low Places again. <laughs> Hey, guess what, everybody? It's Crocodile Rock Time. For the third time this evening. <laughs> I, that's the thing about those piano bars. You can't you can't get there too early. Or, like, you can only plan on being there for a certain amount of time because otherwise you will start hearing repeats of people playing live music. And that's just not fun. I, uh, I heard family tradition in a piano bar one night. Okay, that's cool. Uh, but did you hear it four times? I heard it once. Good. Al- although um, the the sing along portion of the song only happened during the chorus, really, because that's all anybody knew. Dude, family tradition. It's okay, like that. Yeah, yeah pretty all much. Right. I got it. Yeah, those I... are the pipes right there of gold that made me the songbird of a generation. <laughs> um, you mentioned I was going to make fun of you. I I had said this to you off air, and I'll I'll say it again. Um, you know it's pretty bad when you're paying money to go see an act that just got name-checked by Sheryl Crow in her latest uh, failed attempt to be a country star. I don't know if Sarah – Sarah, Cheryl, <laughs> whatever. That woman knows really what's going to be getting a big buzz for her these days. I mean, Jack Johnson, a name drop, is that really going to generate the buzz you need to be relevant again? <laughs> in, her, in her next record, she'll she'll uh, she'll name drop Semisonic. Oh, nice! <laughs> That's good. A closing time reference. Yes. That reminds yeah, me. The new radicals. <laughs> yeah, I remember uh, that was the theme to Dennis Miller's show for the longest time. Uh, the uh, you get what you give, but okay. the um, <laughs> closing time always brings back this one memory of a legendary radio station in Nashville. It's been around for eons. Uh, KDF uh, one hundred and three. They were uh, a modern rock station. And one night they decided that they were going to, you know, change their format. And so they stunted, which is a radio term ding, for six hours playing closing time back to back to back to back from midnight to six before they changed format. They changed to a country station at 6 a.m. If you didn't already hate that song, hearing it for six hours, and I had no choice because I'm sitting there in a co-ed dorm trying to do timesheets, and they kept playing the damn thing over and over and over. And I finally screamed over there to these girls. I'm like, can you please find something else? No, we like this song. All right. I don't really believe in hitting women, but I'm getting close. I don't want to write you up 
<laughs> yeah, pretty much. No, um, you know, I, hearing two songs ad nauseum. I mean, there's, there's, I guarantee you, there's a song that you can think of that you heard and you listened to over and over again for various reasons, you know, or. I'll hear a song that I'm interested to learn how to try to play on guitar only to find out I'm not good enough to play it. But I'll listen to that about 40 times in order to figure out like, oh, that's how this goes and that's how this goes and that's where this note is. And then I actually try to play it and it sounds nothing like it. But, you know, <laughs> we've all had that song that may not be related to anything involving an instrument where we've listened to it over and over again for various reasons. However, I don't know if anyone will be able to beat the pain of what my friend John went through when he was pledging a fraternity, one of the parts of Hell Week was that throughout the house, um, they were playing the song Fly by Sugar Ray for 24 hours. Oh. While they did various tasks, of course, all of the brothers were like, okay, you got to clean up the common room now. Yeah. And, you, know, you know, and all that stuff. So I asked him how he got through it, and he said that he actually started take, taking the part of Super Cat, uh, like – wasn't that the guy's name? Yes, I don't yes it was. <laughs> yeah, so he started taking his part, uh, and other people would take like different parts of the song, so they'd start singing along with it to try and like get through <laughs> the top. And I said, that sounds like a novel idea and terrible. It just means you're forcing yourself to do endless karaoke of Fly. Wait, how do you not snap like as soon as you hear that song? <laughs> the rest of your life, how do you not snap when you hear that song? Um, it's tough. I mean, closing times that way for me, you mentioned fraternities. I, I always think back to my fondest memories around fraternities. I actually lived in a suite with a bunch of, you know, fraternity brothers cause they all played baseball and they were all in different fraternities. I don't know why they all lived in the same suite, but I, I actually hung out more, believe it or not. And those, those of you who know me know that I am about as white as it gets. I actually hung out more with historically black fraternities than I did with, you know, white fraternities in college. And I remember going outside one afternoon and seeing, actually one night, I should say, seeing the Alpha Phi Alpha pledges out there, which is a historically black fraternity. They're out there in the middle of their hell week running through campus carrying gold bricks. Now, that was a sight. That's that's not like, you know, the whole, hey, uh, why don't you go ahead and take this pledge and clean up the furniture in the loft? Uh, you know, that's that's actual hell week. Oh, I think that the cleaning was probably the better stuff that I heard about. I mean, you know, we've all heard the terrible tales of fraternity hazing and all of the things that probably require people not be wearing clothes and whatnot. And yeah. It's like, <laughs> that's not – that doesn't sound worth it to just make sure that I have friends. <laughs> you, you two can buy friends at discount prices. Yeah. You know, I don't know if I need cargo shorts and friends and friends that wear cargo shorts in my life to that – extent but you know that's a decision that i made and everyone has to make one for themselves and i understand that you know not all fraternities are the same and and there are a lot of good things to it and you know i know that there are plenty of people that uh, I, I like i mentioned i had friends in fraternities and they still have friends from that they made in those fraternities that they have to this day and that's all well and good but the on the surface the idea seems a little weird no well before we uh, get back into music there were a couple other music related things i wanted to mention but first i wanted to ask if you do join a fraternity after you pay the dues and everything how do you have anything left over for khakis and boat shoes Mm, good question. Yeah, I mean, uh, unless you have a pre like a a, a set of pre worn baseball caps where <laughs> it's got your school logo and it's also got you know dirt marks on the brim, but the brim is also starting to tear around the beak of the hat. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, they they sell them that way now. They sell right, them already broken. I understand broken that. 
Yeah, well, so either you, I hope you bought those in advance or I hope you pre-wore those in because you're going to need those in order to go to the big social, you know, with uh, AKO on Friday night. Yeah, I still remember uh, one of my best friends, actually. I, I got my start in radio, um, at least in, at the college level, working around him. And he was a fraternity brother uh, at my school and played sports and stuff. And I never saw him once without wearing a button-down shirt, um, sometimes tucked in, sometimes not tucked in, uh, a pair of khakis, a pair of running shoes, and a Braves hat that was beaten up just the exact way you described. I never saw him outside of that outfit. Yeah, the khakis with the khakis with running shoes. An interesting look if you're not coaching football. <laughs> yeah, although I think I'd go with the polyester shorts in that, uh, in that regard. Preferably oh, the, the lighter, the better. Football? Yeah. Made by bike only. If they're made by anyone else, they're not real. <laughs> Back to music for a minute. Uh, a couple of things. First of all, uh, there was something that you and I were talking about off air that I wanted to bring to air. You were talking about how uh, Jack Johnson was able to have his wife and his kids, you know, mm-hmm. off, just off stage and, and able to have them enjoy the show and everything. And we were talking about acts that we didn't think could actually do that. And I, I'll still bring up the uh, the the image of too short. You know, Two Shorts got his wife and his kids up there. It's like, I want to dedicate this song to my wife of 23 years. This one's called Freaky Tales. <laughs> she <just>, she <laughs> kind of stands off stage. She's like, wait a minute, what? what? <laughs> you were talking about Snoop. You know, I mean, Snoop couldn't. Of course, now. Now Snoop doesn't care. Snoop would just, like, his concerts are probably sponsored by Overstock now. <laughs> they got the good good. The what Man. what? <laughs> Yikes. And, you know, and, and I know for some people it matters less in terms of their artistic integrity, so to speak. And, and that's all its own interesting, you know, I mean, that may be a whole nother show for us talking about his artistic integrity. Does it really mean anything anymore? Because, <laughs> well, no, seriously. I mean, you, you right. look at the amount You're of right. people that are doing commercials and the line kind of gets blurred by some people. I mean, there are people that, you know, Martin Scorsese is doing ads. <laughs> blurred know, like, lines. Ah. Oh, I wasn't going to bring that up. Because <laughs> I, no. So, but, you see these people that have done these endorsements in it, you know, it doesn't mean anything to them, but you know, with Snoop doing overstock commercials, you look at it and you're like, man, that did something go wrong. Is it just cause the money's there that you're doing it? Or do you need the money? Because it just, I don't see why you would look at this opportunity and think, yeah, overstock. Yeah. That's, that's, that's what Snoop lion is ordering from. <laughs> I'm going to get my music to the biggest, the biggest fan base I can. I'm going to sign on with the six largest online, uh, online dead stock <laughs> retailer out there. <laughs> but no, it's, it's like I said on Twitter and, and you know, a couple of people ripped me up for it. Uh, if, if deep cover Snoop had known what 2013 Snoop was going to be, he would have pulled a one eight seven on himself. You know, I, I remember you saying that, and I remember kicking it around in my head when I read the tweet, thinking, would he? Because he'd also, if he knew what he was going to become, I assume that would also mean that he would have, in his dream sequence, access to 2013 Snoop's bank statement. Uh, well, yeah, fair enough. But then again, think about how much of, of uh, you know Snoop's bank statement he's blown on tree. All right. I, I don't doubt that when he's not winning like it by the pound on prize fights. If you saw that <laughs> tweet, how about that? Hey, check this pound of weed that I won on the Mayweather fight um, or whatever it was. So that's one thing. But the other side of it, too, is, I don't know, the X factor here, not to make it a music. It's not supposed to be a music joke. Yeah. He's got a son that's a high school, a, a hot, a very highly touted high school football recruit. Yes, he does. No, Do you have that? Uh, you cap yourself? No, you're dead. 
Also, you're talking about all this kind of like time travel Terminator stuff, and that's kind of scary too. <laughs> time cop, one of those things. Time cop. Yeah. Oh God, I can't believe I just referenced Time Cop on this program. Yeah, I can't either. I'm just kind of going with it because I was like, <laughs> wow. All right. The uh, the other thing I was going to bring up musically, and and again, I'm I'm nothing if not willing to put myself on Front Street here. Um, I was thinking about embarrassing stuff that we both have in our musical collections because my musical collection is massive and I'm, I'm sure that yours is too, but you know, being a, a music dork and being a, a radio person for all these years, I've collected a lot of music. And I was, I was thinking because I heard Wham's careless whisper come on in the middle of a eighties uh, compilation. And I just kind of gave myself the whole face palm kind of thing. But I was trying to think of some of the more embarrassing stuff in my music collection and maybe even some of the stuff that maybe it's embarrassing, but I'm not embarrassed by it. <laughs> okay. I mean, wham, I'm a little embarrassed by it, but there are some other things ah. that, you know, I don't know. I don't know, man. When I was in the car the other day and put the iPod on shuffle and it came back Stevie B's The Postman song. I was oh, oh, wow. Oh, wow. That was back during the days when people, you know, were, were writing sensitive ballads and they were using a first name and a last initial like Timmy T, who had that, uh, that Timmy One T More Try song. One More Try. Yeah. <laughs> if you, if you wanted to, uh, if you wanted to show how sensitive you were, John B was another one. John B had, had, uh, that song that he did with Babyface, uh, Someone to Love. That was, God, 95, I think. I know exactly what you're talking about. I'm well for a, lot, a lot more sensitivity in the music in that time. But if I'm not mistaken, that was also the time in the 90s where it was, you know, baggy jeans for both sexes along with baggy sweaters <laughs> for girls. Yeah, you, you had the chick with the mustache and color me bad. And <laughs> Oh, wait a minute. I'm st- I mean, come on. Just think about <laughs> if you go back and you watch the atti- and study the attire worn by TLC in their early videos. <laughs> what the glasses what the lens busted out in the condom in it you talking about that that's one part of it but how about you know <laughs> the, the the weird jeans with like the suspenders and then the baggy t-shirt that doesn't quite go down all the, you know that shows like the millimeter of midriff yeah and the and the uh camouflage pants can't forget those man you know I, the days of cross colors were special <laughs> Malcolm X hats. <laughs> and those were awkward, actually, when you think about it. But the, you know what I'm saying? The, the, the styling uh, has changed a little, I'd say, over the – I mean, and I, I don't know. I'm sure that we're going to end up looking at stuff that we wear now and go, like, really? That was that's what we were rocking, huh? See, okay. the thing that cracks me up about that era is I think back to, you know, the, the sensitive music like you were talking about. And I think of the movie New Jack City, which had one of the best soundtracks I've ever seen on a flick. I mean, New Jack City was an incredible movie, but it's, it's very dark and very violent. And you think about that soundtrack and the first single, the first, you know, hit to blow up off of that was I Want to Sex You Up. Mm. And you're like, wait, what? <laughs> you know, you have, that, you have that and then New Jack Hustler comes out right after that. And you're like, wait a minute, these two things don't mix. What what just happened? Uh, well, a bunch of culturally androgynous people uh, making a song like that apparently sell, sells at the time. I, I don't even know. Selled? I'm just so confused. I don't know, Brian. <laughs> I'm trying to come up with reasons for stuff that can't be explained. Really? Are you kidding me? It was a bunch. It was four dudes. And they all were wearing different, you know, one would have a blue suit, one would have a red suit, one would have a green suit, the other would have a yellow suit or something, all doing choreographed dance moves together. And we were like, okay, totally. Let's, yeah, want to sex you up. Love it. 
And then, of course, right after that, too, right after their first record, Color Me Bad decided to uh, capitalize on their success. You know, they, they wanted to, uh, to make big on the hundreds of records they sold, and they came out with the all-remixes record. That was that I was a. Uh, I didn't know they did that. Yes, they did. That was a popular oh, standard back in the back in the day. I mean, you, you would have an all standard? remixes record. Yeah, like Bobby Brown had an all remixes record. Oh, um, I, I I thought you meant the Color Me Bad remix record was a standard record <laughs> to play, and I, I, I was about to head for the hills to dude, my stash of water and canned food. Let me tell you, I, back when I first really started seriously DJing parties as a regular thing. You would not believe how many damn times girls would come up to me, you know, at, and you know, I'm still a kid at this stage, essentially, and come up to me and want me to play I Want to Sex You Up and want me to dedicate it to some guy who happened to be there. And you have to understand, there were times where I would DJ parties at, like, Methodist churches. (laughs) <laughs> and they want to hear this song and it's like yeah i want to dedicate this to uh you know to <laughs> to steve and i just want him to know that this song says exactly what i'm feeling and i'm like your chaperone is going to take you outside and whip your ass right now <laughs> but you know at that point i didn't care i was like yeah i'll play it <laughs> i just wonder if you know why didn't they we, we have the clean version for radio where there's no swearing yeah why don't they? I mean, they didn't, they haven't made Christian remix of, of some of the songs yet. You know, instead of "I want to sex you up," it's "I want to pray real hard," you know, or something like that. With that, do you think there's a market? Oh my god! <laughs> I'm thinking of like kids bop versions of "I want to sex you up" now. <laughs> yeah, kids bop versions, but with religious lyrics. Oh my god! See, you'd have to have Cartman sing them. That's the only way it would work. <laughs> Would be fantastic. Now I've got that Body of Christ song stuck in my. <laughs> Think about it though. If you took "I Want to Sex You Up" and made it "I Want to Pray Real Hard," they've already got the next line for you about all night. <laughs> It'd be a big hit at lock-ins. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Kidding me? I want to pray real hard all night. See, oh, I just want to love you, Lord. <laughs> See, I, I had the uh, the privilege, I guess it was, of working in an urban station during the yeah. middle of when New Jack Swing was the thing. Like, you know, Belle Biv DeVoe was huge, and, and, you know, the New Jack City soundtrack was still kind of getting play a few years later and all that stuff. But when when you work in an urban station and every song essentially says the same thing and they're trying to find ways to to make it as as vulgar as they can but yet still get it on the radio you're like this is simultaneously the most awesome and the worst job ever i've always tried to figure out like just how far do the people i mean when they're making the songs you can tell when they really it's like all right i want to try to make this as controversial as possible yeah so i'm gonna go out of my way to do so and you know and that's fine i mean that's extremism is what always makes <laughs> it's like all right that's that's probably what i may or may not be into but if you're going so far to your way to be controversial i'm probably not going to appreciate what you're doing because you're focusing on being controversial and not about making a good piece of music no matter what it is okay but good go, right, no please i was gonna say uh for our experiment with the inner tubes on this program and, and for those of you who've started listening to the program you know we occasionally turn to the internet machine you know the the googles to uh give us a little more information while I'm talking about this, I want you to Google the lyrics to the song With You by Tony Terry. T-O-N-Y-T-E-R-R-Y. Look at the lyrics to the song With You. I'm going to tell you 
Once you pull those up, you can read through the lyrics, and I'll tell you the supposed backstory on that song. But I, I want you to see the lyrics to it first, and then I'll tell you the alleged backstory. And I'll let you make the call as to whether you think that's the actual true story to the song or not. This is uh, one of the things we're working in urban radio. Uh, you, you hear stuff that allegedly is the truth, but it's probably not. Okay, I, I've, skimmed, I've skimmed my way through the lyrics here. Okay, you see that that's a fairly, from, from the lyrics, it's a fairly standard garden variety uh, panty dropper song, pretty much, right? Uh, seems like it's about a nice young couple in love, Brian. Allegedly, Tony Terry wrote that song about his daughter. Allegedly. I have never called BS on anything so fast in my life. Hmm. Because there's some stuff in there that's not between a father and a daughter unless you're in, like, Alabama or Mississippi. Like the line, a special touch, a warm embrace? Yeah. Yeah, you know, I... Uh, <laughs> I've rendered him speechless, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I just, it's kind of one of those, you know, for the first time in a long time, I just watched Ace Ventura, Pet Detective, and it's kind of like the moment when they find out that, you know, Einhorn's a man. And you're just kind of going like, but no, oh, oh, this is about his daughter? Oh, God, that's, oh. <laughs> oh, oh. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly where I'm at right now, Brian. <laughs> Sorry, I've, I've been made aware I didn't properly uh, serenade. Roll time, baby! Roll time! <laughs> yeah, I, I, uh, anyway. Oh, man. That's, so scary. That's something else, too, and I'll get back to this in a second, but I, I've been sending my dad various pictures of uh, Roll Tide vehicles. Like, in the, in the last couple of weeks, I've sent him a picture of somebody's truck that had Roll Tide. On. I sent him a Roll Tide ambulance and a Roll Tide hearse. Oh, gosh. It's just... <laughs> A roll tide hearse? Yes, a roll tide hearse. Oh man! <laughs> like the ambulance, I guess you could at least find a way to, you know, hey, roll to the hospital to save this person. I guess, but you know, what are you going to do with a hearse? I'm, I'm crimson tide born, crimson tide bred, and when I die, I'll be crimson tide dead. <laughs> roll tide, baby. I think I might have lost you there for a second. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, all I know is it got really dark when Buddy Lee Phillips started talking about being born in crimson. Um, that's all scary stuff for me whenever he pretty much comes I, I, in. I lost myself there for a minute. <laughs> yeah, well, that's fun. But, you know, I guess you could say that the opponents of the Crimson Tide end up in the Roll Tide hearse. Is that, uh... is that with people? Huh? <laughs> uh, 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 uh. No, the... Uh... I was trying to think about the embarrassing music stuff because I, I completely well, forgot that I, I hadn't mentioned something. Well, I wanted to well mention that, but I did want to ask you afterwards because I wanted to ask you about what's the last concert that you went to. But still, tell oh, me about God. your embarrassing music, and then we'll get back to your concert experience. Uh, my most embarrassing song in my collection is probably Madonna's Crazy For You, I would think. Because every time I hear that song, I think back to the video and to the movie Vision Quest, which 15 <laughs> people saw, maybe. Vision Quest? Yes. Matthew Modine? Yeah. Come on, I think a lot of people know that movie, don't they? You'd think, but when you bring it up to people and start dropping random quotes, as I'm known to do, people just look at you like, you know, 
You have Roll Tide stamped on the side of your face or something. Yeah, uh, I wouldn't do so well with the random quotes, but I, I'm very well aware of the movie. Yeah, I think that's probably one of my uh, most embarrassing songs in my collection. Um, anything you're willing to push yourself out there for as far as most embarrassing stuff in your collection, aside from the, uh, St- the Stevie B jam? Yeah, I've claimed that one for most embarrassing. Thanks. <laughs> Maybe Glory of Love by Peter Cetera. I don't oh. know if I ever owned that song, but I'm aware of it. <laughs> <laughs> now, see, when I think about that song being from Karate Kid uh, 2. Yeah, two. 2. See, I think back to uh, You're the Best Around as, as the best Karate Kid song ever. And th- there's nothing that's going to top that. It's just it's no. not possible. No. No. Um, although it's pretty, pretty great that Peter Cetera could go from Chicago to that. Now, the question I have to ask, since we're talking about that song, You're the Best Around, which, which version of that is funnier? Is it the one where uh, on Always Sunny, Charlie is training to uh, be in the underground fight club? Or is it the one where on South Park, they have the montage where uh, Randy's dad is fighting Super Dad? I, I personally prefer Randy fighting Super Dad, but I think anyone knows, based on my preferences towards South Park, that that was going to win. Yeah, I, sh- I should say Randy, uh, Sniper. But... Uh, the the one on uh, Always Sunny is actually pretty funny too. I don't know if you know that particular uh, series of scenes or if, if you're familiar with that. But if not, it's something not you need to seen check that out. episode. No. Oh, oh, wow! You need to see that one. There's there's a thing where uh, apparently there's this this underground fight club and they're uh, they're training Charlie on how to take a punch, and uh, you know they <laughs> they just beat the absolute hell out of him for like ten minutes while that song plays. It's hilarious. <laughs> that sounds pretty good. Now, who who is doing the punching? Was it Frank? Uh, no, it was uh, Mac and Dennis for the most part. Oh man, that would be even funnier if Frank was doing it. <laughs> I think Danny he might have DeVito hit him once or twice. The crap out of people. <laughs> yeah, anytime I picture Danny DeVito in a place where he's going to be in a fight, I just remember romancing the stone when he's under the table, going, "I, I lost my langostino." <laughs> <laughs> you remember that? Yeah, no? yeah, I do. <laughs> I also remember uh, Eddie Grant's big follow-up to Electric Avenue with the romancing the stone movie theme. <laughs> You know, I, I I didn't even realize that, but now I do. For a movie that I've seen so many times, that's borderline embarrassing. But the thing that that I always remember uh, when I think of Eddie Grant is when, um, you know, when uh, we were living uh, at a different part, uh, a different part of San Diego. My girlfriend and I were laying down. It was around midnight on you know twelve thirty or something on a Friday, turning into Saturday, and these two uh, intoxicated guys are dropping down, <laughs> walking down the back alley behind our place. And one of them starts talking about Electric Avenue, and the other guy says, yeah, who sings that song anyway? And they're talking loud enough that we can hear them. And I get out of bed, walk over to the window, and scream, it was Eddie Grant, now shut up! <laughs> See, when I think about that song, I think about you know just the song as it is, because I was still you know playing it DJing years later, because I, sure. you know, I had like, uh, this is going way further than I need to go, but I had, I had a show at one point. Where you know I would just mix stuff together for five hours. I wouldn't open the microphone or anything; just play stuff mixed together for five hours, and that would occasionally find its way in there. But I also think back to when Mon- uh, Montgomery Ward was still open, and their their electric—I mean, their electric their uh, their electronics department was called Electric Avenue, and they would play that song in their ads. No, so no. Don't do it. Ah, Montgomery Ward. That's what caused you to go under, huh? (laughs) Yeah, all those licensing fees to Eddie Grant. (laughs) Yep, that's probably what did it right there. (laughs) You can can only buy so many ramen dinners and PBR for him before you go broke. 
Right. It's <laughs> you know, a sad tale. I'm sure there was a behind the music song going by someone, and then it got canceled. You know. The uh, <sighs> to answer your earlier question, the last concert I went to was to see Hootie and the Blowfish uh, in front of like <laughs> a, a hundred people before they became popular. Okay. Believe it or not, they they played in a small club right across from Elon when I was at Elon. I I went to see them then. And that was before anybody knew who they were. They had like one record out, and you know it was it was sold by some little independent label in in the Carolinas. And that that was the last time I went to a show. Wow! So that's been a minute. Uh, that's, yeah, uh, a little bit. What are we talking here? Like ninety three? Uh, yeah, about that. Wow. Okay. No, you know, I I really do enjoy going to concerts, um, just because it's it's such a great release. It can be such a great escape. Um, you know, I enjoy being at a concert where I'm so lost in what's going on that I'm not looking at, you know, I don't want to look at my watch to find out how long they've been playing. I don't want to do anything except listen to the music and just enjoy it. And that's a great feeling. Um, but just like anything else, I mean, we've talked about the foibles of air travel ad nauseum. I mean, we all are well aware of them, but there's still annoying concert people, too. Oh, yes. Yes, there are. I don't even go to shows, but I hear enough uh, talk from people that I can probably identify most of the people. Like, for instance... They have, and I, I can't believe that they do this now because I would be tempted to fight somebody. On, on cell phones now, they have these apps where you can turn your little flash thing into an LED light. And there are people where they will fire that up and wave their cell phone back and forth with a thing like blinding people. I, I would be tempted to fight somebody if I saw that. Oh, you know, I haven't seen that one myself. Uh, at the same time, you know, there are still plenty of things I can think of. Uh, but, I, you know, I found myself going out of my way to get an actual seat at a concert if I can. Because, look, I'm, I don't need to be down in the pit for that one song that you decide, hey, I'm going to mosh to this even no one else, no one else is. But I'm going to do this, too. I'm just going to go ahead and slam into people and see if I can get this going. We'll sell you, know? you the whole seat, but you'll only need the edge. That has really happened, by the way. <laughs> been, been down in like a general admission area, and then all of a sudden you just get clocked in the back, and this one guy's like, I'm trying to start a mosh pit. What? I'm trying to start a mosh pit? Oh, you're so cute. Did your parents have any kids? This guy has an acoustic guitar. <laughs> can't mosh to a guy with an acoustic guitar, bro. God. Dude, more than words is, is being played on the stage right now. I've got to mosh to this. Look, what? We're at a sister. We're at a sister Hazel concert. <laughs> Please stop hitting me. Uh, by the way, I know this is danger I dangerously. Really, uh, I didn't go to a sister Hazel concert. This this is venturing dangerously into sports. Sure that everyone knows that territory. Yeah. <laughs> um, since sister Hazel is from Gainesville, would you say that they're more offensive than Florida's offense? Hey. <sighs> Man, when Florida's offense breaks off a big play and then decides to tackle itself, uh, you know it's going to be a rough year for the Gators. That one play against Kentucky pretty much summed up their offense. <laughs> Except there's – I mean it was amazing. They finally break a play for about 40 yards and some guy runs downfield to throw that last block and ends up tackling his own guy at about the seven-yard line. A big play for Florida play. is when they get to third and eight. God, They're, they're a tough watch, aren't they? Uh, yes, yes they are. We'll talk more about that in sports probably, I, I would guess. Um, Maybe. It uh, it occurred to me, by the way, that we've not talked about any uh, any stupid people on this program, and we're to the point now where we don't talk about about a whole lot of stupid people anymore. We don't devote you know segments and segments to them, but there are some people who are just so idiotic that we have to talk about them. There's no way that we can't talk. Well, about we them. have we have a couple 
themes, though, this week, don't we? We have a couple. First of all is uh, Idiot Cops. Yes. And, uh, you know, this is not to say that we are disrespecting, you know, the job of law enforcement. You guys do important work, work that I wouldn't want to do or wouldn't be very good at, among other things. So we're not trying to, you know, we're not trying to, but these stories, once you hear them, we couldn't not talk about them. And also we need to talk about some uh, Halloween idiots already. Uh, we do, but before we get to that, I have one other one that I haven't even shared with you yet. Uh-oh. Uh, it's actually a continuation of our previous strip club theme on this program. And I know you're fired up about that already. Well, ears, Brian. I'm just <laughs> waiting for the story. Dateline Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. The Myrtle Beach Police Department released a record outlining the arrest of a dancer from the Masters Gentlemen's Club on Monday night. The, this is already starting off well. The offender, 25-year-old Nicole Passmore, tr- <laughs> oh try, tried to... <laughs> uh, oh, boy. Tried Cold to... <laughs> do what? Cold read? <laughs> no, I'm just... I, th- this whole thing trips me up. <laughs> Tried to pick up a man's money that he'd laid on the table. Uh, he declined. Then she tried two more times to take the man's money. The third time, she even sat on his lap and started to dance on him. <laughs> okay. Um, and actually, the, the way that the record describes it, it says, He put money down on the table they were sitting at when the offender and another dancer came to the table, tried to take the money and dance on him. The victim declined the offender and asked her not to take the money. Um. When he declined her dance the third time, she told the victim that he had a, quote, sweet receding hairline, unquote. (laughs) Oh, it gets better. To which the victim replied, quote, yeah, and you're a snaggletooth bitch, unquote. Wow. The The victim and multiple witnesses said at this point, Passmore started striking the victim in the face, hitting him five to six times. The victim and his friends left the club and called police. Responding officers said when they responded, the victim was holding a towel full of ice to the left side of his face and had a welt forming under his left eyebrow. When police approached Passmore, she claimed the victim pushed her, which prompted her to hit him. Police spoke to witnesses who corroborated the victim's story, placed Passmore under arrest, and transported her to the Myrtle Beach jail. That's incredible. That's just a really, (laughs) really good night right there. Hey, give me your money. No. (laughs) Sweet receding hairline, bro. Sweet money. No, try it about three more times. Then insult the (laughs) customer, then throw. That's a good strategy. Oh, get called a snaggletooth bitch, too. You can't forget that. Right. (laughs) But this, I mean, if it took place in a strip strip club, do you actually have that that next story we have about the uh, the police getting in trouble at the strip club? Or is that Uh, one a little? I do. I have it. Uh, Dateline, uh, let's see, Tampa, Florida. A uh, Tampa police officer who was fired in May after he spent hours drinking at a strip bar while on duty with his partner has been reinstated. Uh, Mm. Yeah. (laughs) Tampa Police Administration rescinded Antonio Ortega's termination and instead gave him a 50-day unpaid suspension, the longest the department has ever issued, said Laura McElroy, a spokeswoman with Tampa Police. Now, does dude go back to the bar and go, hey, uh, you know those ones I gave you before? You mind, like, refunding me on that? Can you you do me a solid? (laughs) Well, the thing, you know, I thought that this story sounded a lot worse than it did. Now, the guy was undercover, and supposedly it was his partner that went out to the car to log them off duty and instead log them on duty. So they were both (laughs) in the strip club together drinking for about six hours while they were, quote, undercover. Uh, Yeah. um, (laughs) 
their wives are both just like, oh, that's what undercover means. And this is at the penthouse club, so you know that it's it's not like the Playboy club. You don't you don't have you know a bunch of soft core stuff. The penthouse club is like you know there's bullet holes in the wall and all that stuff. So <laughs> bullet holes in the wall. Maybe even bullet holes in the dancers. Who knows? Maybe. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Ortega quote to, to say what you were saying quote didn't realize he was on duty when his shift started Ma- unquote McElroy said Ortega believed they were off duty um, <laughs> Madsen his partner worked for Tampa police for 23 years he was fired and will not be reinstated uh, though Madsen won't be rehired his status was changed from terminated to resigned after he filed a grievance according to the uh, the individuals the change in status will not affect his pension which he would have been eligible to receive anyway, even after he was fired. Hmm. But, you know, so, okay, we all make mistakes. Sometimes we don't realize we've clocked in for work yet or something like that, and we start doing something. But that's about as an extreme case as uh, I think I've ever heard. Uh, yeah, I mean, if, if you can go sit there on the clock and, uh, you know, pound beers and look at C-grade dancers, I mean, shoot, why wouldn't you, especially on the taxpayer's dime? <laughs> Pretty unbelievable. But uh, the cops have been all over the place. And we've been talking about that this week. All over the weird news. Yeah, speaking of unbelievable, it sounds nuts. There you go. But a, a uh, Tennessee police officer has been kicked off the force after a run-in with a squirrel. Yeah. Uh, Jody Putnam was fired from the Mountain City Police Force after a September 27th incident when he shot his gun, I love this, at the unnamed squirrel. <laughs> Which had found its way into the Dollar General store. Now, can you imagine explaining that? Um, you, you go to apply for another job. It's like, so, uh, Mr. Putnam, my, why, why were you dismissed from your previous position? Uh, well, uh, it involved me and a firearm and a Dollar General store and a rodent. Wait, wait a minute. Let me stop you there. Uh, there's no way that could have happened. No, that's, that's exactly what happened. That's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what I do. It's hard to roll. <laughs> Uh, animal control was called to help get rid of the rodent, but when that officer was unavailable, Putnam answered the call of duty instead. Um, Putnam <laughs> tried to apprehend the suspect by shooting inside the store, according to property owner Carl Duffield. Quote, <laughs> shooting back there, of course that should not have been, that should not have happened. Then they begin to spray it with mace and pepper spray, <laughs> Duffield told WJHL Television. There was a lot of people that come out, and just like me, they came out and they, they were coughing and a hacking. That's the way he said it, coughing and a hacking. It was comical, but I'm sure they didn't feel that way, that the customers that came out, unquote. Har, far, far, for all breathing in mace and pepper spray. Har, far, <laughs> Not comical. <laughs> I get the feeling that uh, this is kind of like Cartman with the, uh, the dog, the bounty hunter get up. You know, I feel bad because I already made an Oregon Trail joke earlier in the show, but what the heck, we're going to do it again. Do you think this guy is just like, oh, we don't get Base and pepper spray on Oregon Trail would I have to shoot squirrels? <laughs> we have to take them out with muskets. <laughs> yeah. One shot going lazily across a green screen. <laughs> Dollar General right. store You know official. what I'm talking about. Oh, oh yeah. You remember the Apple IIs? Oh, yes, I do. <laughs> this is the funniest part of it, though. Dollar General store officials refuse to release the surveillance tape. Why? <laughs> I don't know. I, I need to know. I really do. That's uh, that's <laughs> distressing. I mean, first of all, wouldn't that just be a good way to judge whether or not this officer is street ready by whether or not he can hit anything? I mean, you know, if his if his shots just go sailing into the bag of popcorn or something like that, doesn't that show that he just you know he needs some more training? I mean, I know you, you already clipped him, so. Um, 
this this is kind of um I guess this applies to cops a little bit, but not really. Um, it involves a, a four-legged cop. Uh, Dateline Orlando. Officers early Saturday were using Mr. George, a police horse, to control a crowd in an Orlando parking garage when a man started to argue, reports the Orlando Sentinel. Corey Geralds, 30, yelled an expletive at the horse and then, quote, took a fighting stance, unquote, and struck Mr. George several times on the left side of his neck, according to police reports. He also started screaming, <laughs> F this horse. You know, Brian, I don't know what it is about the people in crowds that decide to take their anger out on horses. But if you'll remember earlier in the – and I'm sure you will. But you you must remember earlier in the year when the Newcastle soccer fan uh, came out of a game that they had just lost yes. and decided to punch a police horse – Right in the city square. Uh, yes. Yes, I do. <laughs> what is it with that? I mean, you're not going to win that fight. The horse is bigger than you. The horse can beat you down uh, unless you have a firearm, which you don't in each case, thankfully. <laughs> so that's, you know, so that's one side of it. Two, as soon as, as soon as you throw on a police horse, that's inviting every policeman in the area to come throw on you with, with impunity. <laughs> Seriously, do you think that any police officer is not going to be coming up to their friend going, uh, you know what? Your horse just got thrown on. We'll just let it go. I'm sure it was an accident. See, I'm thinking back to like Mr. Ed now, if you remember that show. Sure. <laughs> I'm going to kick your ass, horse. Screw you. And the horse all of a sudden decides he's going to start, you know, running his mouth to the uh, to the various fighters. I'd watch that yeah. show. <laughs> that would be a good show. I mean, I think that there's got to be – you think there's room on TV for it? There aren't too many networks these days. <laughs> By the way, let me just uh, – let me mention one quick thing. They have this thing now with the, with Dish, with the hopper and everything, how they, they talk about how you can record all these different shows all at once and all that. They don't bother to tell you it records all the primetime network shows, which nobody watches anyway. Automatically? Yes, it does. It records everything on each automatically. During prime time. Man. So they must be killing on their market share in middle America. Uh, you'd think, yeah. <laughs> Mike and Molly getting DVR'd like crazy. <laughs> Man. So that's why Dads is still on the air. Mm, what a non-threatening pudgy couple. Um, <laughs> no, I don't, I don't understand. Man. I, you know, the thing that I also was thinking, you know, I thought this – um, when I was watching football on Sunday, isn't it odd that you think the people who are the best versed in naval investigation in this country don't live near an ocean? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Middle America is just <laughs> eating up every NCIS, NCIS, you know, insert big city here that they can watch. And all of them are in middle America. I, you know, I'm convinced. Everything I learned about crime investigation, I learned from Tom Selleck and Mark Harmon. Yeah, exactly. It's, you know. <laughs> Did, by the way, did we manage to mention about the guy that fired on the squirrel that in Mountain City officers are required to make a written statement to their supervisor whenever they fire a weapon? And because Putnam refused to do so with nearly two decades of experience, mind you, <laughs> refused to explain his actions. So because he refused to explain about the, why he shot at the squirrel, he was fired by the board of <laughs> the board of mayor's office at Alderman, according to WBI, our TV. Oh, yeah, I, I completely uh, neglected to mention that part. 
Isn't that amazing? He could have just said, hey, the squirrel was looking at me funny or whatever he wanted to say. And no, he just decided I'm not going to explain it at all and just get clipped. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you're already making a bad enough decision. Why not compound it? Yeah. Give us more to work with on this show. That's really <laughs> our message to all these people who end up in, you know, in our idiot section. Okay, so just go ahead. I was just going to say, keep pushing it further, just not around me. Speaking of uh, of our idiot section, do you want to cover one more Florida person, or would you rather hear about a uh, a person having a problem driving, which we seem to talk about a lot on this program? Well, I think that's the Halloween driving. Uh, yeah, it is. Yeah, I, I, I want to talk about that immediately because the picture is fantastic, and we need to post that somewhere. Maybe tweet it? Uh, perhaps, yes. <laughs> uh, no need to call Batman. This Joker was stopped by some trees. Uh, hey! Dennis Laleem, a 64-year-old Maine man, was returning from a Halloween party, crashed his car Sunday while intoxicated, the or allegedly intoxicated, sorry, the Morning Sentinel reports. Can't say that he's intoxicated without including the allegedly. Right. Now, you know, I know this is going to be kind of unprofessional in this show, but Brian, I want to take a second to discuss whether or not we wanted to do something uh, regarding this story. Do you want to make the Billy Joel joke or should I do that? Uh, I'll leave that to you. Okay. And I, <laughs> I don't actually want to. I just want to know if we were still going to or if we were just going to skip that because <laughs> it was so obvious. The driver, William Joel, uh, sorry. <laughs> uh, in his mugshot picture, Laleem can be seen wearing white face paint with green hair, similar to that of the Joker, comic book hero Batman's arch nemesis. Uh, according to WCBD, Laleem allegedly lost control of his car around 2 a.m., crashing into multiple trees and rocks before coming to a stop. His car was damaged, but he suffered no injuries. Laleem was charged <laughs> with operating a vehicle under the influence. I just picture him just like, I just watched Die Hard with a Vengeance. Are we going through Central Park? <laughs> No? Okay. I'm good. <laughs> I got to make it to the subway station. <laughs> they uh, they also talked about a, uh, a guy named Mark Wayne Williams who went dressed as Batman last year. He was arrested in September of last year and charged with obstruction of police after authorities said he would not leave them alone while they searched for a driver who had fled an accident. Williams often dresses as Batman and was once arrested after officers found him dangling from a rooftop. Police discovered Williams was carrying a baton, a, can a canister of a chemical irritant spray, and lead-lined gloves. That is so strange. You know, I, I know that we all have our, our daydreams and our fantasies that we want in life. But can you imagine a grown man thinking, you know what, I'm dressing up as Batman and going up on the rooftops tonight. <laughs> it's, it's like Mysterion. <laughs> he has to go out and save the, the public from themselves. But usually we all reach a moment where we realize that doing something like that, like eight years old, absolutely, sign me up. I'm sure that I would be great uh, you know, when it came to this idea, except for the idea of being so high up on a rooftop by myself because I was eight. You know, you know what I'm talking about? There would be like that dichotomy of I'd love to be the superhero, but I'm also scared to be alone uh, at night around adults. So <laughs> that's one thing. But once you – once you reach your, your teenage years, I think you'd maybe maybe be able to let that go towards the end of the teenage years. You'd get into the 20s or something, or at least by the time you're in your 30s, life has got to have beaten you down. That You're like, look, I'm not dressing up like Batman. I'm not, I'm not going to do that to myself. I respect <laughs> myself more than that. And then there's Mark Wayne Williams. <laughs> we, uh, we have one more Florida story to get to, but first I want to get to this because it's short. Uh, our, our friend of the program, Jessica Chasmar, who's a, uh, a Washington Times writer, had this earlier today. 
A southeastern Pennsylvania man, annoyed by co-workers swiping his snacks, apparently thought it was an emergency situation when he discovered his strawberry jello had been stolen. The 39-year-old man who works at Wakefern called Upper McCungie Township Police on October 10th to report that, quote, an unknown person stole his Jell-O brand strawberry snack from the break room refrigerator, unquote, according to CBS Philadelphia. Police said the thief had not been caught and that the incident, quote, remains under investigation, unquote. You know, I, I'm going to throw this out to the chat room for an official ruling, but uh, when Brian mentioned this to me earlier, I said I wish the guy had called Bill Cosby. Do I still get points on that one? Because he does Jello, but it's, it's like the pudding usually that he's talking more about. I don't know. Like you I can s- decide. You could tweet us. Yeah, <laughs> tweet us at Did That Make Air. Uh, also, as I said earlier, too, he's going to show up to investigate in a bad sweater with a, bu- a bunch of like you know '80s music behind him. Yes, <laughs> you see what true. you got here. <laughs> if he brought Fat Albert with him, though, I'd be so excited. <laughs> see, that that brings up another question too. Which which version of the Cosby Show theme song did you most like? Did you like the one that was the typical '80s sitcom one that that started the show, or did you like the one with like Bobby McFerrin where he did it, or did you like the one that was like the African tribal drums version? Oh, and I, you know, I do know what you're talking about because the Cosby Show was one of those shows that my family would actually make a point of watching. You know, everyone kind of did at the time. You know, yeah, and. It'd be, it was like a big deal, like, oh, my, hey, Dad, Dad, they got a new open. You're missing the new open. You know, <laughs> I can't rewind it because I don't know what a DVR is yet. <laughs> and uh, so it was a big deal. And I think I remember the one you're talking about with Bobby McFerrin. Was that the one where they were in, like, the white flowing robes? Uh, yeah. And I said, th- yeah. <laughs> was, I just remember at that point it was like, man, they're really big on this show to be able to get away with this. This is, this is stupid. <laughs> Speaking of which, remember when NBC actually used to have appointment viewing? Like you would have that in Night Court and Cheers and stuff like that. And now you have like, you know, Sean Saves the World, which, you know, Sean Hayes stopped being funny in 1997. And, and you have uh, Michael J. Fox trying to, uh, you know, make people still believe he's capable of carrying a TV show. And, you know, it's, it's really sad seeing what NBC's turned into. I just, uh, you know, I, I got to say that I'm, I'm just interested to see the people that end up going back to television for whatever reason. I mean, just for entertainment in a different way. But just, I mean, you can think about it in baseball terms, too. It's always interesting to see player movement. Just like in entertainment, it's interesting to see, like, hey, this person's going for a TV show right now. So are they looking to just do TV? Or do you think they actually want to try to get into movies now or something like that? And even as someone who doesn't follow it too closely, it's interesting to see, that, hey, that, wow, this is really the, the trend seems to be the bigger and bigger names are getting back into TV. And, you know, Michael J. Fox with his show coming on. But at the same time, I don't want to watch any of them. Oh, Pete's trying to go for the hater of the year award already, saying that uh... – Michael J. Fox was still trying to get a fair shake and having – oh. Wow. Yeah, you know, I, I very much avoided anything like that. Although, Pete, I do enjoy your Leonard Part 5 drop um, that <laughs> you did make earlier. <laughs> yeah, at least there wasn't a walk in the Parkinson's joke or something like that. Wow. Yeah. That just happened, everybody. <laughs> There's come, the title of the show. <laughs> yeah. Come watch Michael J. Fox's hot new sitcom, The Parkinson's. <laughs> Premiering mid Starbucks pumpkin spice latte. <laughs> it's NBC's brand new Shamrock Shake schedule. <laughs> oh man, you know I, I have a feeling all of a sudden that's going to be taken off, and we'll have uncovered some terrible, terrible thing in our Pandora's box of a show. It's NBC's all cranberry Thursdays. <laughs>
Oh man. So I mean, if if they, hmm, I mean, how far is this concept going to end up going? Is like Liney Summer Shandy going to do adult programming at night? <laughs> Pete Summer Ale. <laughs> yeah, that's. I'm just saying. That's you know. <laughs> this is just like. Hmm. I uh, I have one more Florida show. Uh, Florida show. Florida story. Uh, Florida show. Use use take two. Um, one more Florida story, and uh, and then we'll. We have one more story to wind down the program, and then, hey, for those of you who wanted the sports side, you get that, too. If you're listening live, you should listen live. But let's go to Florida one more time, and uh, we'll, we'll close out after this by giving you some of the Florida headlines we didn't get to. We'll just tell you the headlines. We won't actually read the story, but we'll tell you the headlines and let you wonder about them. Dateline, Martin County, Florida. If you think your commute is bad, consider that of Ellie Medina... 28, who was spotted September 30th fidgeting with his pants near an apparent pile of feces in the parking lot of the Seminole Country Inn in Indian Town. Okay. I'll bite. <laughs> you sure you want to bite? Uh, uh, yeah. That's not what I meant at all, Brian. But I'll... <laughs> You know what I mean. Uh, Medina told Martin County Sheriff's deputies he stops there several times a week, noting, quote, there were no other places to go to the bathroom on his way to work at Florida Power and Light Company from his home in Green Acres, unquote, according to recently released sheriff's records. Uh, about two weeks prior, Seminole Country Inn officials asked for an extra patrol in the early morning hours because someone had, quote, been defecating in the parking lot several times a week, unquote. A uh, deputy got to the parking lot about 6.20 a.m. and saw a man later identified as Medina. He was fidgeting with his trousers and got in his car. Quote, I then observed what appeared to be defecation and wet wipes in a pile on the ground where I previously saw Medina standing, unquote, according to the police report. Dude. I mean, I... <laughs> First of all, I think that his name must be Tyrone. Second of all, I think that, you know, it's like Cartman treating it like it's Kyle's doorstep. <laughs> You know, I mean, it's it's just jokes upon jokes upon jokes, and uh, man, there's just nowhere else to go. So you're right. You know, nature calls. Sorry, officer. Um, <laughs> Medina said he stopped to drink water and rest because of his lengthy commute from Green Acres. "Quote: I asked Medina about the pile, and he said he didn't see it until I pointed it out." Unquote. The report states. The deputy apparently saw a reddish-brown spot on Medina's white shirt, which was, quote, consistent with the color of the defecation on the ground, oh, unquote. Come on. <laughs> Medina was arrested on a criminal mischief charge, quote, in that he willfully and maliciously damaged the real property of the Seminole Country Inn by defecating on their grounds, unquote. jeez. Oh, he also was arrested on additional charges after disclosing he had marijuana in his boot. Oh, <laughs> well, gosh, that's yes. Thank you, Jerry. He did not see a no dumping sign on the premises. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> so now that we've gone through that, let's go through some of the headlines we didn't get to. And we'll just read you the headlines real quick. And, uh, you know, you can go research the stories if you want, but we don't have time enough on this program to get to them. For instance, quick thinking Florida man shoves drugs down ladies pants. Uh, Florida man accused of drive-by dog poop attack. Man, Florida's amazing. Uh, Florida man attacks stranger's car with sandwich. Uh, you know, I, people seem to think food is a good weapon. We had the other story about a <laughs> British, remember the British man throwing a chocolate bar at the other guy after yes. accusing him of being a pedophile? Yeah. Um, 
That was that was a good one. Uh, yeah. Florida man celebrates World Vasectomy Day with public vasectomy. Gee. Not something that should be public. Keep that one private. Uh, Florida man arrested for lighting and throwing fireworks inside Walmart while high on salvia. Okay, that sounds entertaining, <laughs> actually. I'm not saying to do what that guy did being entertainment, but just how about just seeing the main or the uh, surveillance video? That's what I want to see from that situation. <laughs> and if we could go back and mic him before he went in the store. <laughs> um, mall evacuated after Florida man sprinkles wife's ashes in her favorite lens crafters. Oh, that's so sad. <laughs> no, that's so sad that you. Oh, I guess hindsight. Favorite. Hindsight really is twenty twenty, isn't it? Oh, oh right. there it is. There oh. it is. Self high five on that one. <laughs> there you go. Yes, sir. <laughs> just God, of all the places you could say are your favorite place on earth, your your local lens crafters. You're not supposed to be there very long. I thought you got in and out in under an hour. <laughs> Uh, let's see. Florida man flees robbery with mom as getaway driver. That's a family affair, and that's fantastic, especially if they were listening to uh, Family Tradition by Hank Williams, <laughs> as you mentioned earlier. Uh, police chase ends with naked Florida man accidentally impaling himself on fence. Oh, that sounds really painful, and I know exactly how it probably happened, so that sounds even worse. <laughs> Uh, Florida man denies playing with himself on a train, blames his itchy stomach. I can't remember the last time that I had an itchy stomach, to be real <laughs> honest. I, I, I've felt a lot of burning in my stomach or a churning sensation or even like I was going to vomit in my stomach. <laughs> At the same time, I don't ever remember thinking like, you know what? My stomach sure is itchy. Um, uh, this is a headline we actually kind of talked about, although we didn't talk about this story. Illegal butt injections land Florida man in jail. We talked about the man who a few years ago had a woman come to him who wanted to look like Kim Kardashian. So she went to get ass implants and he put like, you know, home, uh, home grade caulk in her butt and she died because of poisoning from it. That's right. Chat room. He said caulk. Yeah. Sorry. Caulk. <laughs> Although uh, that was a that was a very funny little bit on the Daily Show, I think it was when they put together all the different ways that people had pronounced that during their reads. <laughs> but that the, was that was good. But no, I was wondering. Wait, was this the same guy? So this is another guy. Uh, apparently, uh, and you know, since we're only reading the the headlines, I don't really know the uh, the full detail. But yeah, apparently, it, it was a different guy. I, I didn't realize that it was so simple to allow people to just, you know, to talk them into injecting stuff into your body. Uh, I mean, between performance-enhancing drugs or illegal butt implants or anything in between, apparently that's just rampant. I guess if you decided to go full fame whore, you know, you, you don't really care whether you're putting, you know, builder-grade materials or, or actual uh, implant materials in your body. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, you know? Let's see. Courtney Stodden might have done that, for oh. all we know. That's the hottest-looking 56-year-old you'll ever see. Um, Florida man arrested at the same McDonald's twice in one day. That's persistence. That's a you know high aggressiveness rating on Madden. I think for that I, guy. I'm gonna I'm gonna guess he's not loving it. Uh. No, not <laughs> loving it. Uh, Florida man. We should have covered this during the cop segment. Florida man spent years posing as DEA agent just so he could get into strip clubs for free. <laughs> <laughs> That's just resourceful. A high awareness rating. <laughs> and uh, finally, 
the the one that we loved so much on last week's program, it's worth repeating. Drunk Florida man tries to erect a burning cross Halloween decoration on lawn, accidentally sets himself on fire. Oh, <laughs> uh, so would that be would that be the best example of instant karma? <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll I'll give you that one. That's that's effective, <laughs> right? <laughs> and then. If- Finally, I, I want to close the program with this. And, of course, like I say, if you're listening on the live side, we have sports coming up, so don't go anywhere. But we'll end Did That Make Air with this. Harvard University's Sex Week will feature a workshop called Feel the Vibrations, which will teach students the proper use of sex toys. Mm. Curious about sex toys? Ask the event description on the school's Sex Week schedule. They actually have a schedule Question for this. Mark? Yeah. Yeah. Unsure how everything works? Come to our workshop and feel the good vibrations. Sex Week kicked off Sunday with a one-in-three stories brunch, which invited students to discuss abortion over breakfast foods. Dude. No. Uh, um, just, really, <laughs> this is at Harvard. Yes, it is. Wouldn't it be, don't you think that these people would be smart enough to figure out that that's not exactly the best brunch topic? <laughs> Yeah, at that point, you start asking yourself, okay, what's exactly in this breakfast? Just, you know, any number of things. Imagine after one of these girls gets toward the bottom of her bottomless mimosa, how she's going to react to this topic. (laughs) Oh, God. Pete asks if that's – or says that it's better than Sex Week at Brown. Really? Really? Um, Continuing, the event was named after the statistic in which uh, one one in three women will have an abortion at some point. Uh, Sunday also featured a screening of the documentary How to Lose Your Virginity. Funny, I kind of figured that out myself. Which asks, quote, why our sex-crazed society cherishes this so-called precious gift and uncovers the myths and misogyny, say that ten times fast, surrounding a rite of passage, unquote. Myths Um, and misogyny should be a fantasy football name. (laughs) Yes, it is. Um, (laughs) In fact, I'm going to write that down. (laughs) So I remember that. Yes, there we go. I've remembered that from my uh, my 0-7 fantasy team. Um, Perfect. All students who attended the uh, How to Lose Your Virginity received a reusable V-card. Uh, Harvard Sex Week will run through Saturday, October 26th. The Ivy League school's focus on uh, self-enjoyment is just the latest in a string of such workshops. And I figured program by going over some of the items that are discussed at Sex Week Fall oh. 2013. For instance, today, beyond the pink and blue, gender 101. What's the difference between sex and gender? Come learn what's beyond the pink and blue with the Harvard College Women's Center. And yes, you can RSVP on Facebook. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't think I'd Just, want my Facebook friends knowing I was going to that. <laughs> the people at Facebook out there, it's like, I'm going to the 311 concert. I'm going to see Justin Bieber. I'm going to Sex Week. Um, tonight was Love, Sex, and Faith. Confused about how to make choices while weighing factors such as ethics, faith, common sense, upbringing, contraception, guilt, fear, inexperience, hooking up, peer pressure, and family expectations? God, more items. Uh, Great. T- you're just like everyone else in the country. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Congratulations. You're a Catholic. Uh, take advantage <laughs> of this opportunity to engage in small group discussions about love and sex with diverse Harvard students and to learn about other people's points of view. Harvard chaplains from a variety of backgrounds will be on hand to answer questions. A brief panel will be followed by small group discussions from 7 to 9 p.m. Feel free to drop in at any time. Uh, yeah, if I'm going to small group discussions, I know why I'm going, and it's not to learn about other people. It's not? 
It is not. It is to What's pick up other people. <laughs> what? Um, Ryan, it's sex education week. Yeah. Why uh, are you talking about trying to get someone back to your <laughs> humble student apartment to actually try to have sex with? You don't know anything yet. You're yeah, there to, to learn. To stare at the hemp painting on your wall. Um, <laughs> Thursday, they have – and I know we're going to run a little long on this, but it's worth it. Uh, Thursday is is the big day of the week. They have four different things that you might want to attend. Um, they have the following sexing the body in art and media looking for a pressure free way to usher in the weekend. Come to sexing the body in arts and media. We putting together zines. Yes. Zines. Zines. Throwback nineties DIY magazines and discussing the way art and media affect the way we view our bodies and ourselves. Hang out with cool people. Smash the patriarchy. Hang out with (laughs) cool people. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you can come back and help us build a 20-year-old technology, hang out with cool people. <laughs> I don't know. Are the cool people zining these days? <laughs> no, the, the cool people are live journaling these days. Oh, live journal. <laughs> what a great service that is. Um, also Thursday, dinner and munch. Hungry? Want a break from dining hall dinner? Come dine with Harvard College Munch. We'll have an open discussion of all things kink from consent and safety to social stigma and coming out. Have something you want to talk about? (laughs) It's your show. Take it. Sorry. Uh, (laughs) Have food allergies? Submit questions anonymously via our Google form. (laughs) Have food allergies. What the hell does food allergy have to do? Uh, You're so clever. You you are clever. I will say that these are all. I put on these damn edible panties, and I've I've been scratching like mad for the last hour. Uh, They also have Love Your Body Day. Uh, Is that where you join a Friendster group to talk about your body issues? (laughs) It's a MySpace event. Uh, oh. <laughs> join Harvard Eating Concerns Hotline Outreach, or ECHO, to celebrate Love Your Body Day on Thursday, October 24th from 7 to 9.30 in Tickner Lounge. This event is an opportunity to take a break, eat some food, get in touch with your body, sculpt some clay, and talk with your peers about issues relating to body image and wellness in a safe and inviting space. Stress Busters will be giving free massages, and Expressions Dance Company will be leading hip-hop tutorials throughout the night. Why do you love your body? I don't know, but I want to go get a tutorial on hip-hop dance from Expressions Dance Company. (laughs) I do. And finally. (laughs) Now, imagine – I just want to say, though, imagine how annoying that's going to be unless they have their own room. And it's a room that keeps sounding pretty well because (laughs) if you're trying to teach people how to dance, they're probably trying to teach you like a – small routine or something which means they're going to be playing the same song over and over again (laughs) have fun (laughs) you forgot about your body issues i bet once you heard that for you know once you heard poison by bell biff devoe for 189th time it's marky mark's good vibrations the extended remix it's not a good vibration (laughs) that's at the other seminar brian Oh, I would say this show's gone off the rails, but it went off the rails long ago. I, I love it when we actually just go full clown for an entire program. We were due to do that. And uh, yep. finally, there's this. Um, Romance on the Rocks, a workshop on alcohol and consent. Consent isn't always as easy Al- as yes or no. Sorry, go ahead. I just was going to say when you say on alcohol, is that – you're supposed to drink beforehand, or is that just the way that the college students will handle it because they are college students? <laughs> and if, 
if you're going to talk about a workshop on alcohol, it has to be doers, right? Uh, there you go. Uh, consent isn't always easy as yes or no. By the way, this is location TBA. So, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Guess you have to know the special uh, safe right. word to get in. Um, right. Pour alcohol into the mix, and you've got one tricky cocktail. <laughs> in this collaborative workshop by DAPA, whatever the hell that is, C-A-A-R-E, whatever the hell that is, and Harvard College Munch, we'll discuss consent, what it means to give it and get it, how alcohol and other drugs complicate it, and how to step in, stand up, and check yourself when you find yourself or someone else in a sticky situation. Attendees will not only get to participate in discussion and activities, but can also treat themselves to desserts sponsored by DAPA grants, safe sex supplies from Sheath, whatever the hell that is, and drawings for sweet giveaways from Consent is Sexy t-shirts to sex toys to a DAPA camelback. I I will not rest until I see Ben Roethlisberger in a Consent is Sexy t-shirt. I actually was going to wonder if the keynote speaker at that event was Brendan Gibbons. Oh, oh. Boom! (laughs) Uh, Nailed it. (laughs) Unlike him in overtime. Anyway. Oh, oh, there it is. Whoa. Huh? So, you know, the the thing is, is all of these are very, like, these could be very worthwhile workshops as much as we're joking about them and all that. Um, Sure. But at the same time. Every time that you hear them talk about, hey, this is going to be a safe environment, um, I don't know. Is, is, do you really feel like you could discuss these things in, in a so-called safe environment? Um, probably not. I, I, don't, yeah, I don't think there's any such judgment-free uh, environment, as it were. I mean, it would be great if, if there were. I mean, it would be a good thing for all of us to be able to share and be open in, in that way and not worry about the social repercussions of these things. But it's that kind of anxiousness and fear that ends up you know, driving people to stay home and never leave the house in the first place. So to, to open up about what is really one of the most personal things that a person can talk about, that's going to be a tough sell in terms of public group discussions, I think. <laughs> Just saying. Special guest speaker, Kobe Bryant. <laughs> wow. Consent to sexy T-shirts on all those people. Are, that's, a fun, that's a funny image. <laughs> Although one would imagine most of the people in that room, it would say consent is sexy dot dot dot, and on the back it would say dot dot dot. But I'm not. <laughs> that's man. And uh, yeah. on that note, on that self-esteem. Yeah, that's uh, that's probably a good time to end this part of the program. So you've been listening to Did That Make Error? He's Ed Barnes. I'm Brian Wilmer, and uh, we'll try to do a little better, or at least a little more serious next time. Uh, until next week, enjoy yourself. Take in the events of Sex Week, whatever it is you feel like doing, but just don't include us, please. See you next week. <laughs>